we're going to get started today because as I was preparing, what am I supposed to say? Number one, I'm not, I don't usually have one of these. This is nice. I, I like this. Um, and I'm usually not up this high. In fact, I'm usually about right here. And there's way less than there is in here right now. And we're very comfortable and familiar with ourselves. So bear with me today as I try to figure out how we're supposed to glorify God with the, with the generation that has been around for 100 years and also a church that's been around for seven years. How are we supposed to do that? I, I can tell you, how am I supposed to inspire you today? Would it be my passion that would inspire you? Would my intelligence inspire you? Would my rhetoric inspire you? Would my presentation and voice inflections inspire you? How am I to inspire you today? And a better question is, what should I inspire you to? That's the the better question today. This morning, if I were to load up a bus and to give you a boring monotone, uninspiring, and unenthusiastic tour of Estes Park National Park. You've been through the National Park? If I were to load us up, and I were to give us an uninspired, unemotional, boring tour through the park, I would contradict and dishonor the majesty of the mountains. Would you agree? A tour guide taking us through that park should be inspired and awestruck by the mountains and and show all the details and talk about it and show and highlight the beauty of that place. How am I to inspire you this morning? Well, it won't be unenthusiastically, I'll tell you that. It won't be just monotone, and it won't be from just up here, but I want to tell you what I will inspire you to today. If you are drawn to anything other than Christ today, then I have failed you. I have inspired us to the wrong things. This is not about Aaron. By the way, I'm Aaron. This is not about St. Paul's. This is not about church project. This is not even about being Christians. This is not about good winning over bad. This is not even about loving your neighbor. Matthew 22, 37 says, and gives us the chief aim of our inspiration and focus today. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. If we are inspired to anything today, I pray that it's to God. He is the hope. He is the reason that we are in this place today. I'm not sure what your week looked like. I had a rough week. Did anyone have a rough week? You can raise your hands. That's okay. We do that a lot. So, Roscoe, is that okay if I ask everyone to raise their hands? Yeah? Someone's going to say, my hand's tired. Okay. I had a rough week. And, And And one of the reasons I had a rough week is I was overcome with sin this week. I was overcome with pain this week. As I sat in a courtroom and two sides were trying to win a case. Two sides. And both sides were hurt deeply. There was no joy in this room. 
One side had lost someone dear to them. The other side had caused that loss. No one was going to win in that place. Everyone was in a bad place. And as a pastor, I found myself in the middle trying to love the people that lost someone and trying to love and give hope to someone who was going away for a long time. And in this place was much pain and much sorrow. And as I drove away from the courtroom and drove back to Greeley, Colorado this week, this was my thought. Oh, dear God, your capacity to love is beyond me. And your capacity to deal with sin is beyond me. Your capacity to speak hope into dark places is beyond me. I pulled into Greeley that day, feeling like I lost a little bit of my own life. Exhausted. But I pulled into Greeley that day in awe of who God was. His capacity to love and his capacity to give hope and meaning. Have you found this God in your life? The video that we just watched just a minute ago um, is where the early church started. And, and one neat thing is my daughter Zoe sent me a picture this morning from the Red Sea. She's at the Red Sea right now with a group from Spring students. They're seeing this place. I am very jealous. I want to be there to see that. But this is, this is where it all started. The good, the bad, everything that we know. As young as Church Project is, as old as St. Paul's is, that's where it began. And that was years and years ago. And just to, to put a caveat on this message and us being here today, I want St. Paul's to know that we come with a 91-year-old man, Grandpa. Grandpa, raise your hand. Yeah, there's Grandpa. And I told Grandpa, for the first time on a Sunday, you might not be the oldest person in the building. So Grandpa, you're a young whippersnapper today. I sit here and I'm also reminded, Jerry Ishida, where are you? Where's Jerry at? He's somewhere around here. Where, where, there he is. Do these lights look familiar to you, Jerry? They should. The, the Baptist church that we grew up in, Jerry was my youth pastor. We had these exact same lights in that building. Isn't that cool? That's neat. Those are fancy lights. Everybody's thinking, what are you talking about, Aaron? I don't know if you're here for the first time or you've been coming to St. Paul's and Church Project for many, many years. I don't know what you come from. I don't know if you walk in here with a lot of pain or this is your first time. I don't know what experiences you have in, this, in encountering the love of Jesus Christ in your life. To me, I grew up in the church. I see things like this and it takes me back to third grade. I see grandpa who was a pastor and started churches and I'm so thankful for the heritage that I have. When I smell what I'm smelling right now, everyone smell that, that takes me back to the good old days. It's all tradition. It's all God moving us from one point to where we're at today. And I can guarantee you, if we are locking eyes with Jesus, we've never been more alive than we are today. Doesn't matter our age. It doesn't matter where God has brought us. The fact that two churches can come together and worship God, does that excite you? That excites me. I want you to open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 6, verses 8 through 11 is what we're going to walk through today. 
at Church Project, we do expository teaching, so we go verse by verse through a book, and the book that we're in right now is, is Acts. So last week we ended in verse uh, 7, today we're picking up in verse 8, so Acts chapter 6, verses 8 through 11 is what I want to talk about today. I'll give you a second to get there. We're doing okay, Roscoe? Okay. I won't repeat that. There you go. Bob's giving you a Bible right there. Acts chapter 6, verses 8, 9, 10, and 11. Let me read them for us. And Stephen, some of you said I said it wrong. It may be Stephen. Okay. We'll debate that later over some good food. Okay. And Stephen full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freemen, as it was called, and of the Syrians and of the Alexandrians and of those from Cilia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. When they secretly instigated, then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. I believe in this passage today, we're going to move out with something very inspiring that God is going to move in us. And I want to pick apart a few pieces uh, that, that I found in this passage that I thought would be applicable to us today. So look in verse 8. Right away in verse 8, it says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great and wonderful and, and, and signs among the people. Stephen was full of it. Are you full of it? Look to your neighbor and say, you're full of it. <laughs> what is it? What, what is Stephen full of? Well, this is the kind of stuff I want to be full of. I've been known to be full of other things, but look what Stephen is full of right here. What is he full of? He is full of grace and power. It doesn't says that it doesn't say he has a little bit of it. It doesn't say he kind of had whiffs of it. No, what does it say? He was what? He was full of grace and power. I came across multiple definitions of words in my life. The definition of mercy. I like this definition of mercy. Mercy says this, not getting what I deserve. That's mercy, not getting what I deserve. I also came across a definition of grace that I thought was beautiful, and that's getting what I don't deserve. It's getting what I don't deserve. When we look at this word grace, that's the entire reason that every one of us is sitting in this room today. Grace, the blessing of God, was on Stephen's life. It is by grace we have been saved. And I'm glad it's not by my works that I've been saved. Are you as well? Would you raise your hands and say, thank God it's not by my works that I've been saved? You know why I'm glad it's not by works that I've been saved? Why? It's because I would feel like God owes me something. You're like, God, look at all these great works that I've done. You owe me something. And pride would come in. I'm so glad that there's not anything that I can do in my life to earn the love of God. This grace has overrun me and overwhelms you. So have you been bad? Good news is you haven't been bad enough to lose the love of God. Have you been good? 
the good news is you haven't been good enough to earn the love of God. Hopefully all you've been is full of it. Full of grace. Well, that's not the only word. It says full of grace and full of power. We see the power unleashed in verse 10. If you want to look down on verse 10, we see this power that's unleashed in verse 10. And it's in his speech that we're going to see in chapter 7. Don't worry, I'm not going to get to chapter 7 today. But I know you want to know what it is. So when you go home, read chapter 7. And you're going to see, because Stephen was full of grace and power, we see the power revealing itself in verse uh, verse 10 and in chapter 7 as he begins to talk. Like, he's not just himself. He's full of God. Who Stephen is and what he did is proof that God can use me. Who Stephen is and what he did is proof that God can use me. Stephen knew God and was filled with his grace and power. When we are filled with that same grace and power, we're given hope. And we're in awe of who God is. Amen? I want to pray for us today. God, would you please remind us of who we are in you? Amen. Wasn't that a short prayer? Side note. Here's a side note about Stephen at this time. Okay, if you, want, if you looked back in Acts and you looked back just a couple verses earlier, the apostles had just a, a, a appointed Stephen and seven other people to distribute the food because there was, the church was growing together. Two separate churches came together, some that spoke Greek, some that spoke in Aramaic and read in Hebrew, and they came together and they were trying to do life together. Does that sound like it would work? Greek, they're even speaking different languages here. Is that a little bit like St. Paul's and Church Project trying to do something together today? Like two congregations coming together. But I want to point out something that Stephen, he was given to run the task of feeding the, the people that were getting overlooked, the widows that were getting overlooked. That's an interesting side little note. But he didn't just stay as a food distributor, did he? I mean, just a few verses ago, he was given the title to distribute food, but now what are we looking at? He's moved beyond just being a food distributor. I think God puts us in places and spaces wherever we go, whether it's our work or our families or wherever we may be, and what does he do? He may say, I'm putting you here and this is your title, but you know what? That's not the box that I'm putting you in. You're there to be there, but I have so much more for you. So the challenge that we get when we look at Stephen, especially in this passage, is that though God has put you somewhere, you're not just limited to that spot. Though you may just be the secretary at the front desk, for example, you can get up and walk to the coffee room, can't you? You can get up and walk to the next room. You could go out to the parking lot, and everywhere that you go, you get to speak the hope and point people to the awe of Christ. You just don't have to stay behind that desk. God has empowered you to be there, but he doesn't limit you to be there either. As Stephen, he was given the title to be what? The food distributor. And now we see in this passage right here that he's even moved beyond that. 
That's hope for me. I think God can use me. Do you think God can use you? How are we doing, Roscoe? We doing all right? Okay. Let's look at verse 9. Then some of those who belonged in the synagogue of the freemen, as it was called, and of the, of the, I'll let you talk about who they are, okay? In verse 9, what I want to point right there is that the freedmen, many Jews were taken captive to Rome at the, at the time of Pompey's conquest in Judea, which is 63 B.C. And then they were let go from that slavery, and they were brought back. So at one time they were slaves, and now they're let go and they're brought back as freedmen. That's not a small detail in this passage. Especially when we look at the light of the men and women in this room who have been held bondage by sin in your life. Has anyone been held bondage by sin in your life? We are now freed men and women. And we get the opportunity to point others to Christ. Once we were in bondage of sin, but Christ has set us free. But what's interesting in this passage is what did they do upon returning from being set free? What did they do? Freedom was in their midst. Freedom was, was their reality. They once were slaves under Pompeii. They're released. They come back. They were freed by all accounts, okay? But they forgot to claim that as their life. They forgot to live in that as their reality. They were slaves physically. Now they're set free and they're brought back. And what do we have? We have these freed men that are looking at what God is doing in Stephan, full of grace and power. God is moving, but the freed men are missing it. Though in their own life, they were set free from bondage. Christians, don't forget what your reality is. You're set free. You're freed. You're no longer chains to sin. You no longer have to walk every t- across every T and dot every I of the law. Like you are completely set free. Christians, please remember who you are. And let's get down to verse 10. I'm doing a nice flyby here. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men whom said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. Stephan is pointing to God. God is the capital S, the spirit from which all his grace comes from, from which all his power comes from. It's not a capital or a small S, it's a capital S. That power comes from God. And here's my point of what I want to drive home today. This is the point. They were freed people. But look what happens in verse 11. The last few words, what does it say in your Bible? It says, Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. It's easy to overlook the last three words in that passage right here because the freed men who were slaves were set free. And they returned as free. That was their reality. That was their identity. But now they're looking at Stephan 
and they're judging Stephen for what he's doing, and they're not walking free. And why are they not walking free? Because of the last three words, and did you miss them? The last three words say what? In this order, against Moses and God. Whose name is first? Whose name is first? Moses and God. Somewhere from being slaves and bondaged, set free, they move over here. Stephen and the, and the apostles and disciples are doing incredible, incredible things. But these men have not walked in the reality of being free. They're so looking at the law. And they're so looking at what they need to do and to be proper. And they put their tie on. And they're missing it. And they're missing it. They show us why they're missing it. Because they put Moses before God. They're missing the whole point of Scripture. They're not walking in the reality of who they are. They're set free. They're no longer slaves. But all they can see is their tradition. We have to follow the law of Moses. We have to do everything right. Though probably with good intent, they're missing the whole relationship with God because they're so concerned about their tradition that they're missing a relationship with God. Does that hurt, church? Do we repeat that same offense? Yeah. Yeah. Already at seven years old, church project, we are, we are getting traditions that unless we watch, they're going to become more lovely than our relationship with God. Ooh, I love Jared when he does Imago. I can't wait to hear the Imago. Man, he's so good at that Imago thing. And we begin to repeat it and do it, and we begin to look forward maybe to that. Maybe then we even do the Word of God. And in this place... I bet you might have traditions, St. Paul's, as well, that might overcast the love of God in your own life and the way that you do things. My hope and our time together is this, and I want to leave us with this. Let's love each other. Let's love God first and foremost. Let's keep the awe of who He is. And when we tour people through the national forest, may we point out the mountains and how beautiful they are. And may we talk about the trees and may we stop and look at the butterflies and show people those and be inspired. And when we speak of the Bible and when we speak of God in the places and spaces that we go, May we not just be an unauthentic, monotone tour of what the Bible is and how God has changed our life, but may it be from a place of inspiration where we find our identity in Christ and who He is, and we hold His Word higher than anything else in the world. May our lives not repeat the same offense that these freed men did. They put Moses before God. May our lives not repeat the offense. May we not put anything before God. Or we are not free men and women. I think that's about all I got today.
Is that okay? What do you think, Jeremy? Should I add more? How's our time? Are we looking good? How's everyone doing? Raise your hand if you want to be here for another 30 minutes. Come on. You're not impressed with my oratory skills? You're like, I can smell the food and I think we're about done. I agree. I think we're about done. St. Paul's and Church Project, what a joy it is to come together and to worship together in this place. I know we have been fasting and praying for this. What an honor to come and worship with you. Who knows what God's going to do in our relationships out there. I know there's going to be good food, though. I want to give us an opportunity, even in this place, I'm going to invite Jeremy to come up, uh, to just to reflect on what God may be showing you specifically. And so even if you're comfortable with it, I don't know what you heard today or if you were distracted or too hot or too cold or you couldn't hear me. I don't know, what, I don't know what's been going on in your heart right now. Maybe everything that I said was very confusing to you. The good news is the Spirit of God moves in fresh ways. And as you sit here today, God can show himself to you. He can meet you wherever you are at. Whatever you're walking through, whatever you're going through, I want us to take a moment right now just to reflect who God is in our life. So if you're comfortable with it, I'd ask you to close your eyes and just hold your hands out in front of you, just in a submissive state. It's hard to fight with our palms up. God, in this place today, I pray that we surrender control of our lives to you. God, you set us free. When we call on your name, your word says you set us free. God, would you search our hearts and would you search our minds? If there's anything that we've put before you, may you remove that. May you be the center focus of our life. God, is there anything we're doing, saying, thinking that is grander than you? If so, would you please smash that thought or that action? May all of our life point to you. God, I pray as we continue to reflect in this place that you would show yourself to us, that you would encourage every person sitting here. And then as we soon move into a time of fellowship and having food together, that with our words, we would encourage each other. With our eyes and our, and our mouth, we would smile and encourage each other. And that this would be a sweet aroma of your church coming together. And I pray that as we pull out later, we get in our cars and we go home, that God, our number one thing would say, we saw the face of God. His name was lifted high. We praise you for who you are and what you've done in our life.